0: All right. I'm excited about this series. We're going to be doing this all summer long, looking at these journeys going through the Bible. And uh, so we've got summer journeys. I think I actually smell one of you put on some suntan lotion during that uh, music that was playing there. But we're excited about this summer road trips. uh, It's a little more difficult this year, it's going to cost you a little bit more, but hopefully you get some time to take something like that. We're going to look at some of these trips in Scripture, which are free, they don't cost you any gas other than to get here to church. And you can even watch online if you don't have that much. Uh, But we're going to look at some of these scenes and people that God takes from one place to another and the lessons that they learn along the way. The good news is, as we take these road trips... That uh, We'll have a few pit stops along the way with some guest speakers, and we're going to learn some important lessons that even though they happen to specific people at specific times in Scripture, there's still a lot that we can learn from them as well. So our first journey that we're going to look at today is one of the most famous journeys in all of Scripture. It happens on an Old Testament cruise ship. All right, now doesn't a cruise sound pretty nice right now? Anybody up for that? Good news, everybody. Look under your chair and see if you have the winning. No, we're not giving away a cruise, but it does sound pretty nice. The cruise we're talking about today is not the Royal Caribbean. Does anybody have a guess? Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. Thank you, Al. You get star by your name today. (laughs) Noah's Ark is a real historical event. We often categorize it as a kids' story right? We put up decorations for kids and have coloring pages and all of that's great. It's because we think of Noah's Ark kind of in the realm of a petting zoo, right? All these cute, fluffy animals. And if that's how we think of Noah's Ark, it is pretty cute. But there's a lot more to the story than that. This is an epic journey in human history that we're going to take a look at today and hopefully unpack some of the bags a little bit. So, Let's go back in ancient times and see where this journey begins. Genesis 6, 5 through 7. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord says, I will wipe this human race that I created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing. All the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky, I'm so sorry that I ever made them. So this trip, this journey, this vacation starts in a very, very dark place. Humankind is in a dark place. God is having to react in a way that it's hard to swallow, to read that this is what happens in mankind. And so I think we have to begin there, leading up to Noah's journey, before he ever takes the cruise before he even builds this ark, we have to ask ourselves why, and the answer is pretty clear right here, people had become completely consumed with sin. It's important when we read scripture to ask what does this teach us about God, what does this teach us about mankind, and what does this teach us about myself? And so as we look at this story today, we want to ask those three questions. What does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about humanity? And I need to look in the mirror as well and ask me, what does this teach me about me and my own shortcomings? Noah comes after the fall, obviously after Adam and Eve. Sin has already entered the world. We're just in the early part of Genesis. It's early in time. But already, people have done what we're really good at doing. We've rebelled against God. We've come to a place where we've said, you know what? I think I know a better way. I think I want to live my way. And it's a downward spiral that keeps going faster and faster and faster till we get to this point where it says the whole world is consumed with sin. Verse five, we saw that the intents of their thoughts and their hearts were evil. Now we see that back in ancient history, but if we 're honest, we have to look at ourselves today as well and realize there's a whole lot of that around us. The first thing I want us to note here before we separate this as as some story that we look at in Scripture and in ancient times, but it may not be connected to us. We need to look at this fact that was true then, it's true today. Sin starts in the heart. Their desires, their thoughts, and their actions were evil. What are my desires, my thoughts, and my actions? It's important before we even board the ship that we realize my inner life really does matter. The things that I think matters. The desires and cravings that I have, it matters. Sometimes if you wonder where the actions are that you take in your life, you think, why did I do that? Why did I do that again? Why did I keep doing that? It starts on the inside of us. It begins in our hearts There's a big list of violations that we see here in this first account leading up to Noah. It all began on the inside when they rebelled against God and God's plan. Proverbs 4.23 talks about this. And graduates, here's a verse for you. If you can apply this to your life with every step forward, it will serve you well Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It starts on the inside. Your inner life will determine your outer life. It was true then, it's true now. So what is it that's on the inside of us? What is it that was on the inside of them? The environment that leads us to the ark Is a culture of sin within people's hearts. I think our natural inclination so often, whether it's our own bad habits or whether it's things that we blatantly know are sinful, we focus on the outer, the exterior behavior, when God is saying, you need to start at the root. What's inside your heart? What's inside your desires? Within. Genesis 6.11 and 12. will continue. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt. And was filled with violence. God observed this corruption in the world. For everyone on earth was corrupt. What was happening within them. Was coming out. We see that it came out in the form of. Violence. And evil. What happened this week was heartbreaking. And we can all acknowledge that. But if we don't acknowledge that it was evil. That there was evil in the midst of that. Then we're missing what was going on. And I'm not trying to get in political on this side or that side. But we have to acknowledge. This isn't just an Old Testament story. There is evil and violence within the hearts of people. The days of Noah, the Bible speaks, Jesus will speak, to say that those are going to happen again. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four thirty-seven, When the Son of Man returns, when Jesus comes back for us, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. Jesus says, when I come back, people's hearts will be filled with evil and violence. This is the context that we're looking at when we look at Noah's Ark. What leads us to this point. So let's take a quick look at the character, Noah. Noah is going to lead his family and all the cute animals Onto the ark. But I think we have to wonder why Noah. I mean it just said the whole world is evil. So how did Noah get the, the lucky straw there? Genesis 6, 8 and 9. But Noah, the whole world is evil. But Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. The only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. So bottom line, there was something different about Noah. Noah was willing to take the way that the others were not taking. He was willing to live in a way that was different from the way others were living. To think in a way that was different from the way others were thinking. And ultimately... He is going to trust God when nobody else will trust God. We are called to do the same thing. Regardless of what's going on around us. Regardless of of what culture may be speaking. We are called to trust God with our lives. Even if it means standing out or being different. Noah was willing to put his faith in God for what would ultimately save him in a culture that was rejecting God. A culture that thought that they knew a better way. Now, it uses the word blameless there, and this word blameless doesn't mean that he is absolutely perfect, but what it means is that he is exceptionally obedient, sincere, and authentic, that he trusted God. You see, Noah wasn't saved because he was good. He was saved because he believed in a good God, even when it was hard to do so. Because of his faith, Noah was willing to live a different way. It says that he found favor in the Lord, unmerited grace of God. And God is going to show him grace because Noah trusts in the Lord. He would later be mentioned in the New Testament, what they call the Hall of Faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 says this, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. You see, Noah didn't earn it. Noah inherited it by faith. In other words, he had a real relationship with God, where he trusted God, where he put his faith in God, which begs the question as we look in the mirror, do we? Is this something more than just, I'm going to go hear somebody talk about God, but I have a real relationship relationship with God myself. This is the context that's leading up to the ark. It's the character that we see in Noah. Now let's take a look at his cruise ship as he travels. The ark. And I think the ark is both symbolic. There are so many layers to this ark right here. And I was Uh, reminded this morning, the the Kaltenbacher family recently traveled um, up to Kentucky and saw the Ark experience and highly recommend it to any of you guys who ever get to go. It goes into all the details and so much more than we're going to be able to cover here. Really, we want to cover the aspect of Scripture here today and how this ties us into the coming of Christ eventually, because all Scripture Points us to Jesus. All scripture points us to the Messiah. So that's where we're going to begin as we look at the ark. The ark points us to Jesus. The Old Testament is full of foreshadowing of the coming Messiah, and the ark is no different. We're going to look at several ways. The first way, the ark was provided by God through grace. Genesis 6:13 and 14. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cy- cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout the interior. This was God's provision to save mankind ultimately and to save Noah and his family specifically. Now, like I said, we could get into many layers about the boat and the design and the rain and the flood. But we're just going to look at this one aspect today. And in this, we see that God provides a way for Noah to be saved through grace. Eventually, God will provide a way for you and I to be saved through grace, and that is through Jesus. Galatians 4.4, but when the time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. When the time was just right, God had Noah build an ark which saved mankind. When the time was just right, God will send his son to send grace on our lives. The second parallel we see with the ark is that God had a plan for the ark. And it's a very detailed plan as you look throughout Genesis and read the details in Scripture. God has a plan for our salvation as well. Scripture says that He knows us. He had a plan to save us, to rescue us through Jesus. If Noah wanted salvation, he had to do it God's way. There was only one option. He he didn't have an alternate plan of, hey, I want to build a different boat or I don't want to bring the animals. God said, these are the instructions. This is the way to salvation. And he had to do it God's way. Much like you and I do, that there is only one way, scripture tells us, to the Father. Genesis 6, 14 and 15 Build a large boat from cypress wood. Waterproof it with tar inside and out. Construct the decks uh, on the interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. It's very specific in what needs to happen and how it needs to be built. The ark was the only way to sow and Jesus is going to do the same for us saying no one comes to the Father except by me and here are the specific instructions. You see, it's not a choose our own path. We can get to God however we want to get to God. Well, as long as I'm a good person, Now, Jesus lays out scripture clearly in how we are to get to the Father. The ark forced Noah To focus on God rather than circumstances. I cannot even begin to imagine. They haven't seen rain in their lifetime. Much less a flood. Who needs a boat? Everybody thinks that Noah has gone completely insane. And yet he trusts God. God tells him to do this. He starts to build this boat. He starts to gather the animals. He must have thought himself... Am I crazy? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? But he trusts God over all of the circumstances. You and I are created to trust God, regardless of what's happening around us. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I am sure there are times when Noah felt like throwing in the towel, saying, this is ridiculous. I can't take this anymore. And when it comes to your faith, whether it's in your own head or whether it's the culture around you that says, just give it up. There's no point in following God with all of your heart. It's 2022. Let's move on. We're called to trust God. There's only one way into the ark and there is enough room there. Genesis 6, 16. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. God has created enough room for your purpose in life. You may feel like you don't deserve it, but God has made space for who you are and who you're created to be in him. And he is the only way. Scripture we referenced earlier, John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Lastly, I want to note that the ark was secure. Can you imagine this huge ship that never made a ship before, but they put it together. It's constructed out of wood, sealed with tar, and this ship is going to survive a flood. This ship is going to be on the water for approximately one year, surviving the waves. Yet this ship was secure. Jesus says, those who the Father gives Him, nothing can take them from the Father's hand. You, when we trust in God, we are put in a secure ship, if you will. will. That no matter what the waves, no matter what the circumstances, as Paul says, we cannot be separated from the Father's love. You are securely sealed within him. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm in Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirits in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. When we trust in God for our salvation, we have salvation in Christ. We have transformation in Christ. Don't you know that Noah and his family were never the same again? For generation after generation, they told the story. They have fullness in Christ. When we trust in God, we have fullness in Him. Jesus says, I have come that you may have fullness of life. And lastly, we have freedom. When we trust for our salvation in Christ, we have freedom in Christ. Even though Noah and his family are enclosed in this ship, this ark that is in the midst of the flood, ultimately it leads to their freedom. And there will be times when we set aside the things of the world or culture because we say, God, I'm focusing on you. But ultimately... It leads to our freedom. Galatians 5.1 So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you are free. Stay free. And don't get tied up in the slavery to the law. So they set off on their journey. That's been just leading up to the ship until this point. And to wrap it up, now they're going to get onto this ship when everything was ready, Genesis 7, 1. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, Now go into the boat with all your family for all, among the, uh, for all of the people of the earth. I can see that you alone are righteous. It's Noah's faith in God that leads to his salvation. Then later in verse 16 of chapter 7, the rain's coming down. It's pouring, it's beginning to flood. A male and female of each kind of animal entered, just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. I love that last phrase right there. The Lord closed the door. It is the Lord that seals us in. Sometimes we feel like God is so far away from us. We feel like we're dry and dead on the inside. But I want you to know if you have put your faith in Christ, the Lord has closed the door. And he seals you in and he is with you. I'm sure Noah and his family throughout that flood were thinking, what in the world is happening? Will we survive this? But it's the Lord that sealed them in there. This happened in God's design, God's timing, and God would ultimately protect them. When we put our faith in Christ, it's God's design, God's timing, and God will will seal you in. Like I said, the ark lasted approximately one year on the water throughout this time. Uh, They saw the water rise, they saw the water descend, they send out a bird, if you know. Um, The bird doesn't come back and eventually a dove comes back with an olive branch and they know that it's almost time. Noah removes the ark 309 days later and at day 364, the earth has dried out and Noah and his family and the animals exit The ark. This is an amazing, epic adventure with lots of layers to it that we're just able to touch on just a little bit. But ultimately, the account of Noah reminds us that God is faithful and that he does not want to share our hearts and our minds with evil. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, that You have not given up on us. Lord, though our hearts and our minds have been given to things that have not been pleasing to You, Lord, we ask that You would forgive us. Lord, we thank You that You invite us to salvation. Lord, where we see in the Old Testament, it was one man... And his family, you sent Christ to invite all of us. Though we don't deserve it, though we're not righteous enough, we're not blameless. You sent Jesus to be blameless in our place. So God, today we thank you for Christ. Who has come through his grace to provide our salvation. God, would you search our hearts for even the tiniest specks of evil and violence that may reside there. Anything within us, Father, that thinks we have a better way, that we can live life apart from you. God, would you root that out of our hearts that we might trust in you completely. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. To pay the price for our sin. Lord, we surrender all that we are to you today. We ask you to forgive us, to make us a new creation. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen.